It's time for Shattered Soulstone. Featuring the latest news from Sanctuary and beyond. Each episode, a heroic party of Nephilim band together to help keep you informed on everything in the Diablo universe. And now, your Diablo Community Podcast. Coming to you from somewhere in Sanctuary, this is episode 416 of Shattered Soulstone, your Diablo Community Podcast. This episode is called WTFTC. It is June 23, 2023, and this is Jen. I'm going to start off with all the stuff going on with Microsoft and court cases and Sony and whatever, because that happened recently. So here's an article from The Verge. It's titled, Microsoft CEO Satya, or Satya Nadella and many Xbox executives are set to defend its FTC case. This was written by Tom Warren, and here's a little bit from that article. Microsoft is sending CEO Satya Nadella, I hope I'm getting that somewhere close to right, Xbox chief Phil Spencer and many other Xbox executives to defend against its Federal Trade Commission, FTC, case for its proposed Activision Blizzard acquisition. Both Nadella and Activision CEO Bobby Kotick will will appear in court this week to defend against a potentially preliminary injunction against Microsoft's giant $68.7 billion deal to acquire Activision Blizzard. If the FTC is successful in winning an injunction, then Microsoft has admitted in court filings that the deal could well be over. The list of Microsoft and Xbox executives also includes Sarah Bond, head of Xbox Creator Experience, Microsoft CFO Amy Hood, Matt Booty, B-O-O-T-Y, not kidding, Mm -mm, that's the name, head of Xbox Game Studios, and Microsoft Gaming CFO Tim Stewart, Lori Wright, who previously testified for Microsoft at the Epic Games vs. Apple trial, will also appear. Activision's CFO Armin Zerza will also testify. Sony's PlayStation chief, Jim Ryan will also testify via video link to discuss market competition. Microsoft was quick to point out that Sony, a vocal opponent of the merger, won't appear in person at the courtroom in San Francisco. Quote, Unlike Sony, our most senior executives will testify in person to answer any questions about our business strategy. This deal means more choice for gamers. In fact, that only becomes clearer the more you look at the case, says David Cuddy, general manager of public affairs at Microsoft in a statement to The Verge goes on from here a little bit. Everything I talk about in the show, as always, will show up on the ShatteredSoulStone.com website, and you could find everything there if you missed it or just want to read it again. But I do have a little bit more about the Microsoft thing that happened. Gizmodo wrote an article titled, Hearing Over Microsoft's Takeover of Activision Blizzard Begins with Bigwigs Set to Testify, written by Lauren Leffler. Over the course of five days, tech execs like Bobby Kotick and Satya Nadella are expected to testify in favor of the contentious $68.7 billion merger. Here's a little bit from Gizmodo. And I think, did I say I wrote this? Yeah, Lauren Leffler. Okay. Microsoft 68.7 
billion bid to acquire video game maker Activision Blizzard has arrived in court. An evidentiary hearing that pits both tech giants against the Federal Trade Commission began at 8.30 a.m. Pacific, 11.30 a.m. Eastern on Thursday morning. Big money and an industry-wide restructuring are at stake over the corporate merger, which has stoked pushback globally. In the first few hours of the proceedings, a minor bombshell has already dropped, an unsealed email that could determine the arguments of the merger's main opponent, Sony. The United Kingdom's Competition and Markets Authority already rejected the deal in April, saying it would leave gamers with fewer options on the market. In contrast, the European Commission greenlit the buyout following a probe, though under the conditions that Microsoft doesn't keep Activision games from its competitors. So that's a whole lot of different regulation companies that kind of have different ideas, and I'm not sure how this is all going to gel out, but we'll see. So here's a little bit more from the Gizmodo article. Now in San Francisco federal court, Microsoft is working to convince Judge Jacqueline Scott Corley that its massive nearly $70 billion purchase of the company behind Call of Duty, Overwatch, and World of Warcraft should be allowed to move forward. Over five days of proceedings scheduled to conclude on June 29, which is not yet, uh, both Activision Blizzard CEO Bobby Kotick and Microsoft CEO Sata Nadella will, are expected sorry, to testify. Meanwhile, the FTC is arguing that the proposed acquisition needs to be put on pause while regulators assess if the deal violates U.S. antitrust law. Now, my opinion on this, didn't the FTC already look into this stuff before? Do they really need another another go around with that i mean especially considering how a lot of the regulators across the world are like yeah sure go dude it's great you know that kind of thing i don't get it the hearing precedes a trial set for august judge corley's ruling following the hearing will determine whether or not to grant the ftc's request to stall the merger until after that in-depth administrative trial if corley opts not to hold up the deal it could be closed ahead of a july 18 deadline if she decides the FTC's preliminary injunction demand has legal merit, Microsoft might end up having to pay $3 billion in breakup fees to Activision Blizzard. Opponents of the merger, primarily Sony, argue that it's anti-competitive and would give Microsoft, which owns Xbox, an unfair advantage by granting it ownership over some of the most popular video game titles on the market. Meanwhile, proponents, namely Microsoft and Activision Blizzard, say the companies in opposition are doing so to defend their own profits and industry dominance. There's an article from the from IGN written by Rebecca Valentine. It was updated on June 22. It's titled, Microsoft admits Xbox has, quote, lost the console wars as it battles for $69 billion Activision Blizzard buyout. In its proposing findings of fact submitted on the first day of Microsoft's court battle with the FTC over the $69 billion acquisition of Activision Blizzard, Microsoft has claimed Xbox has officially, quote, lost the console wars, end quote. A section of the document, submitted by Microsoft, describes its entry into the gaming industry in 2001 when its original Xbox console was outsold by both Sony and Nintendo by a, quote, significant margin, end quote, and per Xbox it has, hasn't stopped, quote, losing, end quote, the, quote, console wars ever since. Quote, 
Xbox's console has consistently ranked third of three behind PlayStation and Nintendo in sales. In 2021, Xbox had a share of 16%, while Nintendo and PlayStation had shares of redacted and redacted, respectfully. Likewise, for console revenues and share of consoles currently in use by gamers, a quote called install, installed base, uh, X- Xbox trails with 21%, while PlayStation and Nintendo have shares of redacted and redacted, respectfully. Gee, that tells us a whole lot now, doesn't it? I don't know why they had to redact those numbers. I think that's ridiculous. Anyway, I'll tell you a little bit more from this article. Microsoft goes on to argue that as a result, it is, quote, betting on a different strategy, end quote, by generating profit through game sales rather than console sales and selling its consoles at a loss, quote, effectively subsidizing gamers' purchase of the hardware in hopes of making up the revenue through sales of games and accessories, end quote. All of these arguments are part of a much larger setup in Microsoft's defense against the FTC, which lead, which seeks to pause its $69 billion acquisition of Activision with a preliminary injunction, which Microsoft is battling against in court this week. If the injunction passes, it would halt the deal until an evidentiary hearing on August 2nd, which falls after the set date for the deal to close on July 18, 2023, and would potentially allow the parties to renegotiate the merger. The FTC seeks to stop the merger due to concerns it would allow Xbox to dominate the game's market in part by making games such as Call of Duty Xbox exclusive, something Microsoft has vehemently denied it would do. Microsoft, in the meantime, is arguing its status as the third-place gaming console makes the merger necessary to cement itself as a viable competitor at all with its rivals such as Sony and Nintendo. There's another one from... Also from IGN, this one is written by Taylor Lyles from June 21st. Xbox Series X and Game Pass are about to get a little more expensive. Here's a part of this. In a statement sent to the outlet, Carrie Perez, the head of communications at Xbox, confirmed the price hikes. Microsoft will increase the price of its high-end ninth-generation console, the Xbox Series X, beginning August 1st. The Verge notes that the pricing will impact most countries, not including the U.S., explaining that the cost of an Xbox Series X will be $479.99 in pounds in the UK. European markets, it'll be $549.99. Canada, $649.99 in Canada specifically, and um, going to be $799.99 in Australia. I can't pronounce all of these little different currencies, so you get the idea. Important to note that the Xbox Series S will remain at the same price of $299.99 for the uh, 512GB model or $349.99 for the 1TB model. However, the price of Xbox Game Pass will increase in all countries with the service beginning July 6th. Xbox Game Pass Ultimate will now cost $16.99, a $2 increase, and regular Xbox Game Pass will now cost $10.99 monthly, a $1 increase. 
However, the price of PC Games Pass will remain at $9.99 a month. This is the first time that Microsoft has announced an increase for Xbox Game Pass since the service launched in 2017. So that's something to think about. Yeah, so if you wanted to get an Xbox Series X or you already have one, if you already have one, I mean, you have it, you're good to go, I guess. But the Xbox Game Pass is going to increase. And that's kind of annoying because, you know, I have an Xbox S and if it's going to make that increase. I mean, it doesn't sound like something I can't handle, but how far will this go? And Kotaku, who usually has kind of uh, snarky headlines, wrote this on Thursday, written by Ethan Gatch. The title is, Is PlayStation Really Worried About Losing Call of Duty to Microsoft? Private emails say no. PlayStation boss Jim Ryan has been fighting Microsoft's acquisition of Activision Blizzard tooth and nail, claiming it jeopardizes Call of Duty on PlayStation 5. But in a private email, when the deal was first announced, Ryan apparently wrote that he didn't think it was an, quote, exclusivity play, end quote, to take away Call of Duty, and that Microsoft was, quote, thinking bigger than that. The previously unreported email was discussed by Microsoft's lead lawyer in the current court hearing fighting a proposed injunction by the Federal Trade Commission on its attempted $69 billion acquisition of Activision Blizzard. Ryan, who became head of Sony Interactive Entertainment in 2019, was apparently discussing the deal while writing to Chris Deering, the former president of PlayStation Europe. It is not an exclusivity play at all, end quote, Ryan wrote, according to Microsoft's lawyer. According to IGN, the email was dated January 20, 2022, just two days after the acquisition was announced. Quote, they're thinking bigger than that, and they have the cash to make moves like this. I've spent a fair bit of time with brackets Microsoft Gaming CEO Phil Spencer and brackets Activision Blizzard CEO Bobby Kotick over the past day and I'm pretty sure we will continue to see Call of Duty on PlayStation for many years to come. The article writer says this seems to fly in the face of arguments Sony has made publicly and to regulators that the deal would lead to Call of Duty potentially becoming an Xbox exclusive or running worse on competing platforms if it's completed. Last September, Ryan blasted the reported terms of an initial proposal by Microsoft to keep bringing Call of Duty to PS5, calling it adequate. Hmm, so here's a little bit more. Quote, Microsoft has only offered for Call of Duty to remain on PlayStation for three years after the current agreement between Activision and Sony ends, he said in a statement. After almost 20 years of Call of Duty on PlayStation, their proposal was inadequate on many levels and failed to take account of the impact on our gamers. We want to guarantee PlayStation gamers continue to have the highest quality Call of Duty experience, and Microsoft's proposal undermines this principle. Goes on from there. I don't know how long this case is going, but it seems like a lot already. So in, um, I guess, at least more interesting news, the Diablo store has a whole bunch of shirts and jerseys and tank tops that have different different things from Diablo 4 on them for the most part. There's one for every class. If you scroll over it, you can see the little logo on the back of these shirts. 
There's an Anarius uh, tank top kind of thing. That's kind of neat. But it's all the classes, a whole bunch of things. Um, there's a Jinx one in there somewhere. There's a Lilith one that's very specific and is a red background. All kinds of things in here. There's hoodies. There's, you know, just the Diablo 4 logo. They do still have the Diablo uh, Pride t-shirt if you want to get one of those. It's still there. It looks like the Skeleton King. It's a Jinx one. It's a t-shirt. And there's just a whole bunch of them. Some of them are more expensive than others, as you would figure. But they're there. I don't know how long they're going to be there. But if you're looking for some Diablo stuff to wear, if you end up going to BlizzCon, then this might be a good thing to check out. Another really good thing that Blizzard is doing, they tweeted on their Life at Blizzard account about Juneteenth. So they wrote this, starting this year, we will be observing Juneteenth as a paid company holiday in the U.S. We encourage our employees to use this time off to learn more about the history of Juneteenth and participate in community events. So that's pretty cool. I, there's not that many companies that are doing this. So I think that was a really good idea because it's an important part of history. A while back, I had Leviathan, Stephen Stewart, on Shattered Soulstone, and he just recently, uh, yesterday, tweeted out on Twitter, Super happy to announce that I'm joining the Diablo 4 team as an associate class designer. It's a pretty exciting time to be joining the team, and I can't wait to do my part to make this the best possible Diablo game and keep evolving as a designer. And he's got a uh, screenshot of Anarius and you know, all the wings and all the demons like trying to cover their eyes. He continued with, I also want to take a moment to appreciate my time on Diablo Immortal and all of the amazingly talented developers I had the privilege of working alongside. I'm very grateful for all of the valuable lessons I picked up along the way, looking forward to the future updates. So I think that's awesome that he's you know moved from one, one Diablo game to another. He seems really happy about it. I know he's going to do great things because if he, I mean, Leviathan's been playing Diablo for a pretty long time and even on Twitch sometimes, and he's been working working with Blizzard for a while, so I'm really glad he's got, you know, what he wants and seems to be very excited about working with Diablo 4. There is a forum for hotfixes for Diablo 4, and these are the ones from today, June 23rd. This is written by Pezradar, Community Manager. So this one has a hotfix. The gameplay fixes are addressed an issue with how monsters could infinitely spawn in seller events, class changes, Barbarian, reverting a performance change that inadvertently reduced the damage for Hammer of the Ancients. Here's the developer note. Earlier today, we pushed out Hotfix 12, which included stability and performance improvement changes that affected Hammer of the Ancients. These changes were strictly for back-end performance, but unintentionally also affected gameplay. There were no plans to reduce the damage of Hammer of the Ancients with this change. We have reverted this change as it was not intended. On June 12th, they had a gameplay fix. Well, fixes, plural. And the first one says the Barbarian Unique Weapons Overkill, Hellhammer, and Ancient's Oath will no longer drop for Druid players. Like, why would they need that? It's a whole different class. Developers note, we do want to forewarn that Druid players with these weapons already equipped will still be able to use them, but you will not be able to re-equip them if removed from your weapon slot. These uniques will no longer be available for Druid players to use moving forward. There's also some other class changes. For the Sorcerer, fixed an issue where the increased damage from the Sorcerer's combustion ability was not applying correctly. 
Some bug fixes fixed an issue where the sorcerer's ice shards ability would cause excessive controller vibration. Oh my god, that would have been terrible. And further stability and improvements, whatever that is. And then on the 15th, there were bug fixes for different things. Resolved an issue where players in World Tier 3 and World Tier 4 could invite others to their party that were not eligible for those higher tiers. Fixed an issue where all World Tiers would display as unlocked when players may not have met the requirements and then other stability and improvements. They did a change on June 15th for the druid resolved an unintended damage interaction with the druid's toxic clause passive and it goes on from there if you want to see more you can look these up it's just under uh, the Diablo 4 forums and you look for the blue notes at the top of the screen and you can read them all Wowhead has an article titled Complete These Dungeon Side Quests for Optimal Renown and one of them that they're pointing at at the top of their blog is uh, Cries of Innocence, the tormented spirit of a black asylum inmate reaches out for company. This is written by Varid, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. So here you are. Kill two demons with one stone in Diablo 4 and improve your renown farm with this list of dungeon side quests. Reddit user Tindy, T-Y-N-D-Y, has compiled a list of all Diablo 4 side quests which require you to visit a dungeon. Both side quests and dungeons count towards your renown completion, so doing two things at once can save a ton of time. So there's a list here in the different areas of which ones you can go and do this in. So Fractured Peaks has Blood Sermon in Sanguine Chapel. Uh, you complete the pilgrimage, pilgrimage campaign progress before you go to that one. Cries of Innocence in Black Asylum. Legacies of Light's Watch in Light's Watch. Liberate no, uh, Nostrava Stronghold. Site to Madness in Cultist Refuge. The Dread Martyr in Hollowed Ossuary and the Shattered Tribute. Liberate Malnock Stronghold. Hammer of the Champion in Horfrost Demise and Rimscar Cavern. skosglen has got a few. Fields of Ruin, Feral Moon in Sarat's Lair. Liberate Turdula Stronghold, Daughter of the Oak in Underroot. The Diviner in Wretched Delve. The Seer Smoke Signals, Reclamation in Damhain Tunnels. Dry Steps, Augury of Bones, Hubris Smiles Back in Grinning Labyrinth. Consumed by Pride, Raising Spears in Champion's Demise. In the Name of Love in Whispering Vault and Worthy of Ariat in Ancient's Lament. Hawazar, if I'm pronouncing that right. Desperate Remedies in Light's Refuge. Left Behind in Shadowed Plunge. Remnants of Faith in Malgan's Works. The Heretic, A Price to Pay in Blind Burrows. And then there's uh, Kegistan. A Wolf's Honor in Forgotten Ruins. The Speaking Stone, A Voice from the Past in Conclave. And Symbol of Faith in Tomb of the Saints. So there you are. I'm probably going to hang on to these and see if I can complete some of them. But they're there. Max Roll has a bunch of stuff, but here's a few that I thought were kind of interesting. There's one called New Nightmare Dungeon Tier Lists and General Farming Guide, written by Facefoot on Max Roll. So there's a whole grouping of things in here. So the Nightmare Dungeon Tier Lists compare the best and worst Nightmare Dungeons for solo experience farming, glyph leveling, group farming, and high tier pushing. Depending on what your goals are, you can use these tiers to focus on the best Nightmare Dungeons to get the most out of your time. And then there's the General Farming Guide. On top of this, we have a new General Farming Guide that teaches you how to farm various items, materials, and currencies in Diablo 4. Some of these are easy to gather, while others are tricky and can only come from specific areas or events. 
Gathered materials, plants, ores, monster parts, skins, and more. Learn where to find all the goodies in this guide, and you need to, like, click on that to see all the stuff that they have regarding those two things. There's also Monster Families, written by Dioxide, D-I-E-O-X-I-D-E. Uh, he's a Diablo 3, uh, three Diablo 3, he's a Diablo game streamer on Twitch, and... So these are the categories and where they come from. And uh, I'll just read you a little bit of this. Bandits are found in Kedjistan and Dry Steps. The beasts category is one of the biggest families in the game that consists of bears, thorned beasts that shoot pine needles, Tuscan chargers, werewolves, and wildwood, trees that can attack. They hang out in Skos Glen, but some are known to venture out toward fractured peaks, specifically the werewolves, which are the most interesting of the bunch. Cannibals. Lore has it that the cannibals were a former tribe of barbarians that were banished from Ariat. No one knows why they were exiled, but they are now known for their cannibalism. They like to hang out in the dry steps, often chomping on a corpse as you're adventuring by. There's more to this than I'm giving you. I'm just giving you little bits. Cultists, easily spotted by their red hoods and skull mask, they're usually sacrificing humans for a ritual. This is done by using three humans tied to a post while one performs the ritual that can summon brute creatures from other monster families, such as the Fallen and the Nangari. The drowned are undead creatures that have crawled into onto the shores of every area except fractured peaks as it isn't connected to a sea. There's an obsession for reasons unknown with statues and bells. Parentheses, the brute likes to hit them with a log for what appears to be for fun. They're led by Marinith, also known as the Drowned Witch. And then there's the Fallen. We know what the Fallen is by now. Ghosts, those are the red creatures that pop up and are kind of see-through and want to shoot you with uh, lightning and or crossbolts. We've seen those if you've played a bit. The Goatman, I think we know what the Goatman is. It's a it's a, been a staple in the Diablo series, Dioxide writes. Skeletons, we know what they are. Then there's snakes. I don't think I've run into these things yet, um, but they, they exist in the game. The monster fa This monster family has three members. The spitter fires poison at you and is the only one that looks like a snake. They can be difficult to spot at times due to their slender physique. And it goes on from there. There's an oracle and some other stuff. Spiders, I think we know what spiders are. And then the vampire ones, which I dearly love to kill because I think it's so much fun. Um, there's three members. There's a revenant brute wielding a two-handed sword. The swarming ghouls and vampires, which change form from bat to blood spell casting mage. Pretty neat. I kind of like... Something about just chasing down the vampires and killing them just makes my day somehow. There's also a little bit about how to target farm items and stuff like that. So this is some really good information that you can go check out. It's on MaxRoll. And again, everything will be in the show notes at ShatteredSoulStone.com. Got a couple more things here. Forbes wrote an article, uh, well, Paul Tassi on Forbes wrote an article titled Blizzard Announces Significant Diablo 4 Changes for Season 1 and Beyond. So here's a little bit of that. This comes from the Fireside Chat. If any of you caught that, this is probably going to be, you know, something you've already heard, but I'll... Uh I'll get into that. So Blizzard had a fireside chat about Diablo 4 on Friday, which was not an official developer stream going over every nerf and buff coming, but they did reveal a lot of additions and quality of life changes that are coming either before, during, or after season one. Many of these are pain points in the community. They are attempting to address as soon as they can, including some common questions about the upcoming season itself. Here are the highlights from the hour-ish long stream. If you don't have time to watch all that, which I did, says the writer. 
As announced previously, Season 1 is still on track to launch in mid to late July, albeit no specific date has been announced yet. Nightmare Dungeons are not necessarily increasing mob density, but they will give more XP per monster, making them a better source of farming XP. Also, Nightmare Sigils will now teleport you directly into a dungeon rather than making you walk there, and once you finish one, you can pop another sigil and go directly to the next one. Necromancer's Poison Corpse pulls being absurdly black, so it's hard to see anything is actually a bug and that should be fixed soon in season two gems will be added to the materials tab instead of taking up space in your inventory probably one of the most commonly requested items also inventory caps are being lifted on many crafting materials there's a few more things in here that he wrote about it sounds kind of interesting and then here's the one that just kind of blew my mind a little bit this is from pc gamer and it's written by tyler wild and the article title is you have to start a fresh Diablo 4 character for each battle pass, which would probably connect with seasons. It does say it's something about seasons in here. Now, those of us that have been playing Diablo games since the first one, and then have been playing through Diablo 3, waiting for Diablo 4, there are seasons in Diablo 3. I don't know if they're going to keep doing them or not. I'm not entirely sure. But the idea is you have to make a new character or you can rebirth one in Diablo 3. With Diablo 4, you got to make a brand new character and decide if you want to go hardcore or not with that one. And I'll read you a little bit from this article to clarify more. Blizzard's explanation of Diablo 4 seasons and their battle passes didn't mention that you have to start a new character to participate participate in each one. And news of the requirement is bewildering a lot of players just weeks before the start of season one. That's why I'm reading this, because some people probably were too young to play the previous Diablo games or just hadn't known about them. And they're thinking, oh, I got a character. He's all set or she's all set, depending on which gender you picked for whatever class you wanted. And they're going to be really surprised that they can't use that one when they start the season one stuff. So this is important things to know. To continue, Diablo 2's ladders and Diablo 3's seasons work the same way. You start a new seasonal character each time one starts, but that context was pretty easy for less than diehard fans of the series to miss. And the writer says, I played both Diablo 2, which is 23 years old, and Diablo 3, 11 years old, and never touched their seasonal modes. There's also the issue of the Battle Pass, which is new for Diablo 4, and the reason the topic came up this week. Leveling it will require a new seasonal character. Diablo franchise GM Rod Ferguson confirmed on Twitter. Uh, Ferguson wrote, to take part in the seasonal quest line, mechanics, season journey, and Battle Pass, you will need to create a new seasonal seasonal character, Ferguson said. You won't lose your other characters and your new seasonal character will become a regular character after the season ends, but the responses on Twitter indicate that this isn't what a number of Diablo 4 players were expecting and it goes on from there a little bit. I've got a couple of art things to uh, tell you about. One of them is on the Diablo Accounts YouTube and it says behind the scenes Diablo 4 original soundtrack. So here's a little description of that if you want to check it out. It looks like it's about 10 minutes long. A behind the scenes look at the collaborative making of the Diablo 4 original soundtrack. Composers Leo Kaliski and Ted Reedy share their inspirations for the unearthly sounds and themes you'll hear as you explore the vast world of Sanctuary. And then there's like, you can find it on Spotify, iTunes, Apple 
music uh, and Deezer, and here's all the places you can follow the Diablo account. So that's kind of neat. And then somebody made a wood burning of Lilith. If you don't know what a wood burning is, it's where you literally take a piece of wood, like part of a thick tree stump, and you start kind of drawing on it, and then you use a, a pen type thing that will actually burn whatever you touch it with. So if you want to have an area be in darkness, you use that a lot on that area. And if you want it to be lighter in an area, you just don't touch it as much so that it's you know still viewable. Um, I have not done this personally. I've always thought these things are interesting, but it's just not for me to do. And it turns out there's like actually different tools of different sizes and shapes you can use with this thing as I watched it. Now this was put out on Twitter by someone named Mistress Minty. And it's definitely, you know, Lilith's face on a part of a tree. <laughs> so if you want to check that out, I, I recommend it if you've never seen wood burning before. It's kind of interesting to watch. And that is where I'm going to end this episode because I've run out of things that I thought were important enough to include for all of you to hear. You have been listening to episode 416 of The Shattered Soulstone, your Diablo community podcast. Missed an episode? You can find the show blog and listen to the show archives at www.shatteredsoulstone.com. Come join us in-game. Our in-game community and clan, both named Shattered Soulstone, are open to anyone who would like to join. You can also join us on Discord for the ultimate team and community-based experience. Find the Discord invitation link on our Twitter and Facebook page, as well as the Shattered Soulstone website. Thank you for listening. George Corley's, sorry, Judge Corley's. <laughs> Let me redo that one. <laughs> okay.